John Wilson, welcome to The Gateway. It's a pleasure to be here, Howie. Thank you so much for coming. This is the first time that we've seen each other since, like, when did you leave Montreal? 2015? Oh 14. 14. 2014. Yeah. September, yeah. or August 14. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, so it's been a long time. It's closing in on seven years. Yes, but yeah. it's a real pleasure to see you, and yeah. uh, it's a great, uh, great honor to be here on your show. Yeah. So, uh, so just for anyone who has never heard this show, this show is Gateway Music. It's a, it's a, it's a podcast, a weekly podcast where I interview different guests about the love of music and about how people found passion for music. Um, sometimes we talk about an album, sometimes we talk about a technology, an instrument, uh, a show, uh, it can be all sorts of things. Um, today I'm talking to John Wilson. Um, John, do you want, I, I should have asked you this beforehand. How should I, how should I introduce you? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I wish, I wish I knew myself. Okay. Well then I'll, then I'll do it. Um, John Wilson, um, I'll introduce it, you in a personal way. I met you probably in the maybe late 2000s, like 2000. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 And you actually have met my father before you met me because you recorded I him. Met Sammy. Yeah. So my dad. He was great. Yeah. Such a great talent. He, I, I think he is actually a great talent. My dad is, a, is an amateur actor and has done acting, mostly stage work for decades and decades and decades and you were doing the sound on a film yes and he came in and did that and then we met only after that that's right and then you came in and did um, oh I did too it's true you did a bit as well yeah on the, but, in the film a voice a voice over a voice under yeah he did some real work I did some just talk stuff well he did a play before that but yeah I um uh, it was uh it oh, was right. interesting because he had this voice like Sterling Holloway on the Disney um, movies. Right. You know, he had this really classic, uh, incredible storytelling voice. He it, does. It, he make anything sound good. Yeah. So, so, uh, so that's sort of how we met. Um, yes. You, you're, you were starting to be in a relationship with someone, with a, fr a friend of, longtime friend of mine and very, very close friend of, of my partner, Catherine. Yes. And um, we got to know each other. I was always appreciative of the time that we spent together. Oh, likewise, absolutely. Uh, but but the the big so you were in Montreal doing sound work. Is that what I? Is that yeah. Right? Um, you know, I'm, I have a history of being a lot of different things. I was in bands in the '90s, and I composed music for movie trailers. So I, when I I kind of reinvented my career when I moved back there as an as a composer, I'd already been a um, an established movie trailer composer and. Yes. The states and uh, so that's one of the things I was trying to do um, but uh, in life and sound goes in many different directions so I, I think I've in Montreal I was able to do almost every role in sound I could yeah. think of yeah. you know which was a great uh, great opportunity and great gift to meet a lot of great people and um, to explore sound in uh, a lot of different avenues and ways mm. um, so it's a real what it was a real gift to be able to do that there and yeah. Well, and then, of course, you had the great gift of uh, being able to explore sound by deciding to play music with me and Jason Friedman. Of course. Who, that was a huge highlight. Yes. Uh, so just to it explain. It really was. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I've talked about this on the show before. Um, uh, 
Jason Friedman, who was a guest on the show, we talked uh, in the first season about uh, the Pixies and more actually just about how he first got laid. But uh, <laughs> but uh, the thing that was pe- very peculiar was that you, at least this is how, this was my, how I saw it. You were someone who had been in, in le- a legitimate musician, successful gigging, touring musician, and was now working in sound and working in composition. And for some reason, you asked me and my friend Jason, neither of whom could barely play any instruments at all, to start jamming. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, what was that about? Want, well, why? Why? Yeah. Why? Why you guys? Yeah. Well, why not you guys? I mean, it's really about it's. Uh, it, it. I mean, if we can, we can talk about the psychology of it as well. But um, you know, you're you're great people. You're interesting people. You have ideas. I don't. I would rather play with you who's into discovery than somebody else who's already discovered something yeah. um, that, or they think they've discovered something. So there's this preconceived notion of what music is. You guys really were into this sense of discovery and I felt we could go on this journey of freedom together in a musical setting and discover things ab- about each other and also with each other. Yes. To, to move uh, forward in our relationship as friends and our, the ways, uh, ways for us to communicate to each other outside of words. Yes. And I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity. These guys love music. And we came up with some really cool, interesting things. Yes, for sure. There was fear involved and there was um, courage involved for all of us. We yes. all had to get in. I think we were all on an equal playing field. It doesn't matter that. I had been a trained musician or not, or you, you know, you guys, it's, it, I think we trusted each other enough to go in different directions and explore um, things we might not explore if we were in a, a band, I, you know, I, and, and we agree. all were trained musicians and we're trying to impress each other in a certain, with a certain style that brings us together, you know, yeah. like most bands. So I don't know if. if no, I, I agree. I mean, just to sort of share, I started, um, I remember the first time we got together, we were in that drum hole. It was in the basement, yeah. crappy yeah. studios. You know? I love that place. Yeah, me too. I have a <laughs> lot of affection for it. Um, and uh, I think it's called Solo Drum, and it's on Hutchison, right in the corner of Jean Talon. Right. Uh, but I remember we set up, and, and fool, like, so I didn't don't really know how to play guitar i certainly don't have any training on guitar and i remember foolishly turning to you as you started doing something and i was like oh what key are you in and you said like don't don't ask me that don't i'm I'm not going to tell you like just let's listen you know and number one the foolishness was like even if you had told me you're playing in the key it would have been useless for me like it's not like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) great so now i'll you know, exactly. but exactly. Uh, but it it um, it really was a lot about trust and fear and uh, and were no you know no words. There was we there was very, we we spoke a lot when we weren't jamming, but when we were yeah. jamming, it was quite quite silent. Like someone would start something and just kind of get into it and try to figure it out, try to trust each other, listen to each other feel safe and secure in playing or not playing um these were like really bedrock experiences that i had personally and i wanted to thank you because oh, because Likewise. i'd Likewise. never i'd never really been on a team with anyone before i played on a basketball team in high school but i wasn't really a good team player i, I you know i could play but like <laughs> teamwork i i never i've never really felt safe and secure on a team and i think that that was a really 
wonderful experience for me, number one, to play music, to realize that I could play music, to realize that you didn't actually need to be good at music to play music. Those are two very separate things. And the pleasure of playing music is much greater than the pleasure of being good at it, meaning creating a circle, creating a connection, creating something that is whole, that makes sense, that we're listening, we're responding, we're being honest in the space together. That kind of community of music is definitely much more valuable to me than excellence. And, uh, And it required me to feel vulnerable and to sort of, and I think you and Jason, I really appreciate um, that you guys gave me that opportunity to feel safe enough to be vulnerable to learn how to play with other people. Oh, that's amazing. That's really, that's that's beautiful, uh, beautifully put, you know. Uh, for me, it was like a brotherhood and I've been jamming since I was a kid. So I was like, these are my, these are my brothers. If there's a girl there, it'd be, a, you know, sisterhood or family yeah. or whatever yeah. it is, you know, but um it, it, it was a it's a family thing and you know in a family um that that's what happened so for me it was extending the concept of family you know as sharing that you're, yeah. you're my family and yeah. we're this group of people and um you know if we can communicate musically as a family you know yeah. um i don't know i mean it wasn't a conscious thing but looking back on it i think that was the at least the feeling or the yeah. intent um, that's really that's really beautiful, man. I, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Well, I, the, and and you know, we played together for a number of years. On, like Many years. <laughs> you know, occasionally you'd bring a little recording de- Zoom device to try to record things. But yes, like, I still have some but, of those. Sure, but it's great that like we never. It was always ephemeral. It was always in the moment, and it was just yeah. the experience. You know. And that's. I really think that's the essence of jamming. You know, like yeah. uh, I remember many jazz players have told me over the years. All the great recordings have never been recorded, you know. Right. All the great or the the great performances have never been recorded. Yeah. They were jam sessions in somebody's house or basement. And, yeah, you yeah. Know, they don't need to. It's a it's something that's um, completely in the moment. Yeah, and then you moved away. I did. And then you moved away, and things for a while got dark for me because I wasn't jamming. Jason and I couldn't do it on our own. We did, we did, you know, occasionally I think you, we had, we had jammed also with Josh Carpati, I think that, right? Right. So, you know, we try, we did some jamming, just the three of us. Um, But I wasn't, it wasn't, you know, you're, you're a very handy person to be jamming with. First of all, you have a very supportive, wonderful energy, but also you're, a great musician so that when when you when you're dealing with two people who are primitives uh taking no, away not, i don't look at it that way man i think it would like we're all the same you know you're either one note on or one note off if you want to play in in tune or that is so <laughs> right again and that i agree with for sure so so all you got to do is bend up and play it or if you if you play a bad note, what's considered a bad note, and who knows what that is? It's so subjective. But uh, at least in rock and roll, then you just play it three times and bend it up. And you're, yeah. You're well, that's what I mean. I I really appreciated. I came across this quotation while we were jamming, and during that period of time, where Miles Davis said, like, you know, it's only a mistake if you don't play it again. Right. You know, like that. It's like so just true. do just do it again, and Keep then playing it until you bury it into the ground. <laughs> yeah, and then people. It's the rule of three, right? Yeah. It's the, as after the third time, people accept it as some kind of truth. Yeah, you know? and, and 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 you know, wow, that's an interesting dissonance. And because yeah. you meant it, I'm meaning it now. I'm communicating with you. Respond to this note. You know, we are all have to. We're all responsible for what we do with this <laughs> note right now. 
Yeah. Um, anybody can feel it. He could, you know. Oh, yes. And you hear him just play in any period, and he'll play one note. It'll be wobbly, but it was so much passion and intent that it's just, uh, it's it's a beautiful yeah. thing. It's, yeah. It's I mean, he, 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 they're very different, but like, I think he has kind of what, what Keith Richards has, which is just, if you live it, then it's just, it's always going to be that. Like, just, you know, Miles Davis, he comes in, he could... You know, he could play. I guess a good example is uh, I was watching. Um, there's an interesting series made by Mike Judge. Do you know who Mike Judge is? Yeah, from uh, Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, King of the Hill. Yeah. So he he's made this series called Tales from the Road, and it's an animated series where he interviews uh, musicians about experiences from their past, you know, usually on the road. And the first season is all country artists, and the second season is all funk artists. And oh, I think I've seen some of this. They did some with Bootsy and... Uh um, maybe some rapper. I don't know. I think they definitely this. did some with Bootsy and with yeah, Rick, Rick James. This. Right, right. Um, I'm just trying to remember why the fuck was I saying this story? Uh, what were we just <laughs> talking about? It was, but I, w- I wanted to, something that came up, uh, but I can't remember. Uh, oh, well. That's okay. Yeah, that's the way it is. <laughs> that's the way it is. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Well, let, this is a good opportunity to move forward then. Um, what, what I, what, what, in some ways, um, your leaving actually cascaded forward to me doing this podcast because, number one, I got a real appreciation for playing music, which I think deepened my love, playing music with other people, I should say, which deepened my love of music. But also, when I was looking for some people to play with, I couldn't find quite the right group. In the end, actually, Jason and I continued to play together, and we found Great. another really wonderful group of people uh, to play with, and it was it was amazing. Like, it's, it's you know, until sort of things broke down because of one person got injured, and then it's COVID, and so we haven't played together for a couple of years. But I hope to, when things settle down, start again. But th- what I was going to say is that I, I was looking for another option while I still hadn't had that set up, and... I started getting involved in improv because I thought it was similar. It's, it involved some of the similar sort of skills, listening, responding, Absolutely. trust, courage. Absolutely. And, uh, and doing the improv led me more into kind of storytelling. And then I, w- and then I injured myself doing improv, taking a pratfall. And uh-huh. I couldn't do improv. I couldn't play guitar. I couldn't run, which I had been wow. doing a lot of. So I, I needed to find some outlet. Otherwise, I was going to go crazy. So I started this podcast. So it kind of really built a lot of skills in that eventually resulted in this podcast. Well, it's amazing. It's podcast has been amazing. I've, I've heard uh, uh, dozens of uh, yeah. your podcasts. Yeah. And I really, uh, I really like how you turned all this around into something that was positive not only for you but for everybody else to yeah. hear you know yeah. and and this this to hear this conversation about music and life yeah it's, it's really beautiful man yeah so so i would you know we've been talking over time thank you thank you sorry i should Absolutely. be present for that response thank you um <laughs> you're like yeah whatever no no I know. It, no i'm just joking yeah. i know you're not like yeah that. yeah um so we're we're moving you know like we were we we had been in contact and trying to figure out what are we going to talk about um, yeah. How are we going to sort of just sort of explore your gateway? Because I and 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 we talked about we had many different over the past couple of years <laughs> many different sort of <laughs> yeah ideas about hopefully, it. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we have many different. I mean, this is a stream of consciousness uh, 
you know, and maybe stream of unconsciousness too. It's, yeah. uh, you have these ideas. What are we going to talk about? Oh, it's this, it's this, music's this. It's all of it. And, um, you know, uh, it's really up to you what you really want to talk about well, within it. Well, I thought it might be worthwhile to start a little bit about kind of to get to know you a little bit, you know, and for the listeners okay. to get to know you a little bit. You are a lifer. You are a music lifer. You are an audio lifer. Is that correct? <laughs> well, um, I yeah, I think I was up until a few years ago. I mean, I think it's it's in your soul. You're a lifer, sure. Um, I'll, I'll I'll take that moniker uh, any day. John, you just showed me a jukebox, an ancient jukebox that you're <laughs> you're sitting in front of, and to your left is a, it, to behind you is mastering uh, technology, yes. and to your left is an is a cutter right what's the word for that yeah it's a well the official uh title is a recording lathe but uh the the street term is record cutter and um it cuts records from 1936 so from my 1946 jukebox that is all a pain in the butt and then probably the hardest thing i'd ever had to do in my life so don't i'm sorry you can't <laughs> beautiful you, though. You, you can't deny the fact that you are a, <laughs> a music and audio lifer when you're when you're sitting amongst that well, that's uh, I appreciate that. Uh, there's my Atari too in the back, so yeah. it's one of the few computers I ha that hasn't crashed on me. I'm kind of around. I've been programming music on that going back to the '80s. So, um, which you know, Atari? It's, which Atari? It's, is it? it's a. Um, it's uh, I have the I have the. Well, I can go get it. It's in here. Okay, Give John is 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 getting out of his his oak chair <laughs> to get. <laughs> I'm the gonna get the actual. Well, while while we're waiting, I'm going to tell you guys that um, I had an Atari 800. I had an Atari 800. I know you did. It had the, the keyboard was was flat. It was a flat keyboard. It didn't have keys that you could actually depress in. Right. Yeah. It's a 520 ST. Oh, well, that's the shit. The 520 you know, ST. I know. And it came with like all of these horrible games like Ghostbusters 3 or 2 and um, some really, really back in retrospect very very tedious games to play did you have a lot of fun though minor 2049er was that on there that was no, my i wish yeah. that would be cool yeah oh it was also very <laughs> tedious i assure you <laughs> they're all tedious <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 16-bit yeah for sure um so 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 you're you're a lifer you you um you grew up in a household with music i did um no oh, go ahead Cool. We oh, can talk. Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, yeah, I, uh, it was really interesting because uh, like, like I've told you before, you know, we weren't, uh, we all played instruments and I got my first instrument when I was probably three, a drum kit that my brother had smashed, my oldest brother. You know, he's a very big guy, so, and we're kind of a big family. So, um, you know, physically and in number. So it, uh, it, there was a lot of destruction going on fast and, you know, uh, there was piano around. My mom had uh, been playing Beethoven and all these beautiful things, listening to Brazil 66 when I was a kid and um, back rack. And then, um, you know, my dad had, he had played trombone and he would sing. Uh, so we all would gather around the piano and sing and try to play instruments. And some, it was, it was funkier than the Osmonds, but it wasn't as funky as the Jackson 5s. So as 
as I said earlier, it was kind of more like the Jasmine, the Jasmine <laughs> Seven. Yeah. You know? um, did did you? I, I didn't actually. I've no. I don't. Can't really think too much that I've seen you sing very much. Were you? Were you into singing? Interesting. Yeah, the first band I got into before I started. Well, well, when I was uh, working professionally, was I was sing the lead singer of a band by default. Like many things in my life have been, because somebody didn't show up. Right. They're like, hey, can you do this? You know, we believe in you that you could do this. And that that's really an incredible thing to at this point in my life to realize that people had trust me enough to actually do things that I'd never done before and try it. And I had an, I think I had enough um, delusion, delusional <laughs> capability to say, yeah, sure, I can mix a film or I can be the lead singer of your band. And they liked it. It was it was a band that we were doing kind of the style council stuff it was a jazzy pop band. Oh, man. Called Society Blue. And um, it, it was uh, it was something that I really loved uh and it started me in a career in music that experience i met one guy from high school and this guy named Luis garza who who had given me a number of these guys that were in a ska band uh the drummer was in you know he was in a famous punk band when he was 12 from our hometown in fresno he's kind of a legend you know and then he was in this famous ska band so i got a chance to play with him and he ended up in in this band we got both got signed into a deaf american called supreme love gods later on so we uh, we have still have a long long history um, playing together and um, it was weird because we always talk about it. It's like remember you were the singer in that band. <laughs> so yeah, strange. Do you hear that? <laughs> That's this, funny. This is Supreme Love Gods. That is. Yes. That's me on bass. Nice. So I never played bass before that. <laughs> and they gave me a solo. It's ridiculous. Nice. Well, because because it's all equivalents, you know. As I, it's all the same thing, man. Yeah. You know that. Yeah, I do. I I often like to share the story that James Brown, when he, when some some new member of the James Brown band came in, I think maybe it was a guitarist. And he's, they're, they're playing, and you know, James Brown was famously strict, right? Famously yes, severe. So the guy start, starts playing whatever chicken scratch guitar is in that song. And uh, and uh, that's your song. That's your band. But I'm going to turn it off, uh, despite that. Oh, fact. No disrespect. No, no, please turn it off. Um, <laughs> but he, he, uh, he, he, he t- turns to the guitarist and he says, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm playing guitar. And he said, are you playing guitar? And then the guitar said, yeah. And he, then he turns to everyone in the band. He turns like, Maceo, what instrument are you playing? The drums. You know, you know the, 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 the bassist. What instrument are you playing? The dr- everyone's playing the drums. Uh, everyone in his band was playing the drums. Because that's what it was. A, everyone was playing percussion. You know? And, and, that's, and that's sort of how it, so it is. You know? Especially, it really is. You know? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. A li- oh, we can talk about it now. That, like, you know, uh, I, I, that's one of the many lessons that I learned from playing music with you was just... Oh, okay. You you're you have an instrument, um, you're playing with other people. You have to make the instrument sound good with the other sounds. That's yeah, your job. And it's also you. It's your personality. Yeah. It's who you are. It sounds like you. If yes. somebody comes to the table, I remember I was watching this documentary about Buster Williams, who played with Herbie Hancock, he's a bass player, and Herbie said every time Buster shows up to a gig, it sounds like Buster. Right. You know, and that's the greatest compliment you can get, especially from somebody like Herbie Hancock. Yes. You know, like, wow, it's you showing up to the gig, yeah. giving us your personality and all of the things that 
that happened throughout your day or your life into this moment. Um, it goes back to the African and Asian traditions of long, long ago where people would play in their own circle. You might have, have walked in a fast pace to go get water or something and somebody might have been cooking at a fire and had a different rhythm and so people would play together at these very complicated rhythms that we, I, we that we still have i really feel like we've dumbed all this down and over the years and really haven't even scratched the surface of what that is what, what that is and what that was um to communicate on that level and story yeah. and circle of story you know and there, there is um, it's in since the time since the sort of beginning of the quarantine times, I definitely have thought quite a lot about um, how music works. And I'm not going to pretend that I'm inventing all of this, but I have pulled together different sort of ideas. And I do think that it's incredibly significant that it, it's only been in recent history that music is performed. You know, like apparently, you know, like it's like music is community. It's how you communicate and it's something that everyone does. So like dancing while someone plays drums and another person plays a melody instrument, the dancing is also the music. Every, Absolutely. the whole, everyone in this circle, everyone in the computer, the idea of recording music um, is, is a very strange thing because it takes it, it takes you out of that circle. And Absolutely. it puts it into something where you um, you you listen in on. You know, um, yeah. there's a, a uh, the famous British author Doris Lessing. I read an article a little more than a year, about a year ago now, that really blew my mind. She had written about how recorded music should be illegal. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. <laughs> because you, it it does it plays with something that is incredibly powerful. Um, yes, you know, music is spiritual and music is we are we're hardwired for this thing and to to just be able to control it and have access to it whenever you want takes away so much of the content and why the music is important for us anthropologically. And Absolutely. and so it becomes this sort of extremely dangerous tool that can be used for distraction to replace real emotions to place real like it's 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 a cheat essentially it's a it's a cheat it's like a it's a drug essentially yeah. and when you I mean, record it's the it. same with the internet though this has been going on since the time of edison and our need to um hear a reproduction of something and become a voyeur instead of a participant yeah. you know it's it's very it's a very um ingrained part of human nature sadly that we want to just keep hearing these things repeated over and over like some fly to to a light you know yeah um, I don't understand it. Uh, to be honest, I'm still scratching the surface of, yeah. of trying to figure out it. it I, I like it when we were, jam I think you, when, when you, Jason and I were jamming, we were, we were getting to, into a, uh, into that spirit, that ancient spirit I of do. tribalism. And, uh, you know, that, like you were saying, that goes with this, this other component, maybe dance or other forms of art. But I think we were scratching the surface of that. Just to talk about jamming for a second, when I when I left the states, people had stopped jamming for like globally. So when I when I and it and I've been jamming since I've been three years old with my family yeah. every almost every day, yeah. you know. And then when I got in this, uh, met Jack uh, Dangerous, Johnny Corrigan, um, my buddy uh, from Meat Beat Manifesto. Um, and he was nice enough to let me in his band. Um, we would jam all the time. Sometimes we jam for almost 20 hours. 
And then I get to this global shift after the uh, 2008, you know, I moved to Canada and then people stopped jamming. And Mingo, uh, Mingo the Indian uh, uh, from Les Jours Leningrads, he was one of the few jammers there. And I had been jamming uh, with him and it was such a gift to jam with those guys. And then I thought, oh, why don't we, why don't we go and jam, uh, you know, uh, in, a, in an organized place, why don't I jam with Howie and, yeah. and, uh, and Jason, you know? Like, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're a musician, a so-called musician, oh, we're all musicians. There's nobody that loves music more than you, man, that I know. Yeah, you're yeah. such a fan, you already know it. You already know music, yeah. you know? I remember but, you telling me that at the time, and I was like, John, you're so full of shit, but I appreciate it. <laughs> it's <laughs> true, though, but it's true. I'm not full of shit. I wish I was, yeah. but it's really true. Like, you've already heard it. In fact, it's so repetitive. How could you not hear it? Yeah. You know, how could you not hear the same thing in a Wilco song, which you love, and a Pavement song that you love? It's yeah. the same freaking chords. Yes. And what's beautiful about this experience, and you and I had kind of scratched on this idea of, of a, um, a, a so everybody's kind of has this musical DNA, but we can all trace it back to the, the 12 notes on the piano yes. that we all um, have had since... Bach and yeah. Chopin and Beethoven and Mozart and John Coltrane and uh, Stravinsky and, uh, you know, John Cage. And uh, I mean, everybody has James Brown has the same notes. Aretha yeah. Franklin had the same notes, yeah. you know. So Stevie Wonder has the same notes. Herbie Hancock has the same notes. And all of those same 12 notes, every single one of those artists has only had those resources, yeah. which I think is an incredible even to this day, even that it's the same four chords over and over and over, uh, more than it ever has been, it's it's incredible to think that throughout the last four or 500 years, how much music has been and creativity has been developed from those 12 notes as the origins of our, our musical DNA. It's it's extraordinary to think about. It I mean, is. You can, you can really, uh, it's, you can really lose yourself in a rabbit hole trying to think about, wow, how did this evolve from this idea of tribalism into these 12 notes that were just, we're kind of bound to now. Well, I mean, there are cultures where the, it's much more than 12 notes, like the microtones, yeah. you know. Western culture, I yeah. should really clarify yeah. that you're absolutely yeah. right. Western culture, we're in Western culture, European-derived uh, uh, culture, we're bound to those 12 notes. Uh, you know, I think it's too complicated for us to understand the microtones of Indian music, which would take you 500 years to learn, yeah. literally. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a... Well, you uh, have to bathe in... Like, that's the, the, what I was going to say about even, like... Um, that circle and the poly like the polyrhythms that you were talking about earlier is that like it's not as if someone sits down and goes okay we're going to do a really complicated polyrhythm like yes there are there there are um basic rhythms that everyone knows because every like you said because everyone's heard them a million times like you know like yankity we're just going to do that like we're just going to do this (laughs) one and this is what everyone knows it but then when you get when you get people like this town has its own version of it right yes where they have their own version of it and then someone from that town goes to another town and plays and suddenly it's like a it's a viral i mean you know the idea of like a viral how music works is like language once you introduce an idea um everyone's going to be inspired by that idea and take it in different places. So you have the same basic DNA, but everyone's taking it differently and reflecting their own individual experience, their feelings, their culture. And the the people who are 
playing with it are each going to now respond in their own way. So it becomes just a small little nothing change. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you feel that when you're jamming sometimes where like, like at least the way that I like to jam, which is like someone introduces something and then we build on that on that. And then that inter- that original thing can drop away. It does. You don't need the original thing anymore. The original thing can change once you've got the exoskeleton of everyone playing yeah, together. And exactly. then it's this dynamic kind of biological thing that is everyone is keeping alive. It's incredible. So, it is. You so know, it's, it's really amazing to think about. And, you know, at some point in our evolution as humans, humans probably aren't, you know, wizards a billion years. We're not going to have that. We're not going to have that music. We're going to we're probably going to there's you know uh, be eradicated from earth at some point and it's such a blessing and a gift now uh to it helps me by thinking that way not take it so seriously too you know what i mean it's like uh, but but it's such a it it also helps me to um enjoy it more but you're absolutely right about this evolution and it's a slow process you know to get out of the three chord jam how long is that going to take us to do we might never get out of it and there are some jams where like i mean i, I know I'm, I'm talking this on a microscopic level because really we're really talking about how music works but yeah. like there are some jams where you know you get together with people and it's like you're hitting your head against the wall where it's like it's like no one we're like you're like you get all these feelings like i'm angry with you why are you not like you're not listening i'm not li-, you know and but then you just have one moment where something changes and there's a sort of an offer and an acceptance and suddenly you're there like that there is this rep- repetitive banging your health your head against the wall like most Absolutely. artistic projects where you Absolutely. and then suddenly you just out of nothing there's just like a moment and suddenly you're you're in a brand new space and an open yeah. field it's yeah. incredible it's this breakthrough of the self too and the ego yeah. it's like you're trying to get rid of your ego in this process and yourself to be selfless with other people yeah. and to be in a second you know split second moment with people to pivot in any direction yeah just to like be- we do in a conversation you yeah. know yeah um, and it's very tough sometimes uh, but that's where you get the transcendence I think in that experience as a human yeah uh, I mean that you know. that is what I'm always searching for is that transcendental experience yeah. that transcendental moment where you are no longer thinking about it but you are doing it you are no you are no you are in time you know and and uh you can only do that for like it's it's very hard to do it does get i think easier with time and it does get easier probably with certain drugs like i believe that that is true you know like it it and it's cheating except it doesn't to me doesn't really matter because it actually like when we were jamming to be totally transparent like um i I, I would find it very hard to have as good a time if I wasn't smoking marijuana. Um, and um, what I learned is that I don't need to do that anymore Yeah. because I can get to that space. I know that space. I'm less scared of being in that space. I'm less scared of being I'm protected. If, I, if I'm playing with people that I have confidence with and, 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 and feel secure with. Yeah. Um, I, 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 no, go ahead. I think you can get, I think you can get there. Um, yeah, either way, it just depends how you got there first. You know, if you got there first by not smoking pot and then getting there, you're still there. Of course. And if you can get there with smoking pot, you're still in the same spot yeah. you were in the first yeah. place. So it just depends yeah. how you get it's there. True. For me, it was I, I, I never uh, I didn't, you know, do any of that when I was able to um, when I started playing. So um, it didn't matter either way for me. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. 
it, it was it was just uh, taking the edge off a little bit, you know. But more than I don't think it controls. Uh, some people think that's a gateway to music, and I think that's wonderful for them. You know, for me, it's um, it could it might be the opposite. I don't know. Yeah. But I think in those experiences, it was really more about, like you said, trust and and, yeah. and friendship and trying to get. Um, to some kind of understanding together through music instead of words. Yeah. You know, it's a mutual thing when you get in a room with people. So it's, you know, whatever, um, whatever you're experiencing, I'm experiencing at the same moment. So it was such a beautiful thing to be able to go in and talk to each other and hear cool things because you guys aren't your so-called quote unquote trained musicians, right? I'd rather play with you than any trained musicians because you're going to, you're, you're hungry for the, the, this idea of, discovery but you're also still you know battling with this this thing of we all are fear where is where is this going to go is yeah. it going to fail how do we keep this thing together do we care enough to keep it together yeah you know and do we care enough to get rid of our egos to keep it together that's really what music kind of the essence of it is in a band you know yeah. um sometimes and uh, or at least a jam you know and uh i really appreciate that about you guys that you yeah. were you were willing enough to to go on this journey together as a group, you know, it's yeah. really about the, about a group. You guys came up with some awesome stuff too. Yeah, like we, we did. That, yes, that we did. Really interesting things that I don't think any, any quote unquote trained musician would come up with because of that, that, uh, lust for discovery, you know, limitations breed in innovation. It's, it's absolutely so true. It's absolutely so true. We can prove it. We yeah. got the zoom recordings yeah. to prove it. Yes, for sure. Um, so, uh, so let's 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 talk a little bit about you. You know, you grew up in a house with lots of music, both your dad and your mom and all of your yeah. siblings. All um, the siblings, every single one. And that you then went into sort of through through confidence and through force of will uh got into multiple different kinds of music performance uh <laughs> and uh, but I wanted to just talk a little bit about what were there were, was there any music that was really important to you growing wow. up? Like, was there any yeah. imprint for oh, you? Oh man, yeah, we had talked about you know it's been a great thing. No, preparing for this uh, and talking to you um, because I'm such I'm such a big fan fan of you anyway, and uh, I know that. Uh, we have a lot of the same uh, interests in music and the things that we don't, you know, we, we learn from. So um, so we had talked about this idea of musical DNA and, and I, was, I was thinking about the 12 notes like I was uh, we were talking about before. And where does that evolve in your own, you know, DNA? It's like ancestry, musical ancestry. Right. Com, yes. You know, and um, it all really starts for me with crawling around my brother's room in 1973 and what records were on the ground that I actually picked up. My mom and I were yesterday, which we can get to as well, is what record scared me, which is even a, a stranger thing. I never Oh, that, I can, t I know, I have my list. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's talk, talk about Let's that. talk about that for a minute. Okay, so. Okay, cool. When you say what records, what, what comes to your mind when, you, when you're saying that for well, you? Well, I think of one image and it's the solarized picture of Jimmy Carl Black on the back of Zappa's Freak Out record. Um, it there's no picture that scared me more if if you look at the black sabbath record it's not scary it's a guy in saggy tights and a wooden shield paranoid black sabbath that's not scary to me as a kid i'm like it's a guy in saggy tights oh that, that's scared that one scared me because it was really that's great it, i love to hear that it, well it was it, it was blurry right it was blurry yeah, it, was, it was it was multiple images yeah, of the same and like why <laughs> why would they do that i remember as a kid I my brother that. had that album and i was like 
what's going on? Why? Because I, I was a comic book. I read comic books, and I know right. like the, the the person in the picture did not look scary. It wasn't. No. It, the, the guy was wearing a costume, and the like the effect was scary. It was the effect of the blurriness, and why would they Absolutely. choose to have a blurred out version of this? Yes, it's the effect. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because my, my, I asked my mom yesterday, I'm, I'm talking to her, and she just goes, you know, Anagata DeVita drum solo scared the hell out of you as a kid. You would hide and run into another room and you, would, you would, didn't want to hear that. It's the only music that scared you the most. And so I listened to it last night. I haven't heard this probably since I was a kid, the drum solo for Anagata DeVita, honestly. And do you I'm know? Like, do you know where it is in the song? Because it's a seventeen-minute song. I know it's like uh, I think it's at like four minutes to seven, nine minutes or something. So you think at nine minutes? Uh, like maybe it's before nine minutes. I think it's like. But try it at like four, four or five minutes. But it's the effect of the drums, you know, getting back Here to the effect. Are. It's, it's got this weird like reverb on it and it's it's so not scary now not at all there's nothing in, in fact it's actually quite polite it is it's like a drum it's like a drum major you know drumming on the drums it's not you know it's but, it's very it's very very uh, very um rhythmic like, like yeah yeah it's nothing <laughs> nothing shaggy about this no but the effect on it maybe is what scared me i listened to the effect on it i'm like got a phaser on it or something weird going on there maybe a reverb definitely it's also moving they're panning it an old school they're doing pans yeah that's probably what scared me because we used to put the headphones yeah. on and um but you know getting back to the records that were on the ground when i was crawling around i mean emerson lake and palmer's brain salad surgery was such a, a huge influence i mean obviously the beatles and we don't need to talk about well, let's the talk about emerson slow down slow down yeah but let's sit emerson, with lake and palmer second second the carnival number nine second impression so you like second impression second. better okay. yeah that's first that's the first everybody knows that and it, yeah and it's kind of a weird song i don't yeah but. i'm not a fan no most people aren't this is what i love about that but Oh, this is much jazzier. This is incredible. Uh, for kids, these guys were kids when they were playing this music. I was five years old when this came out, so... Um, but my brother Steve could play parts of it, so I started learning parts of this. Um, and that's just insane, the musicianship that's on this record. And, and from this year of 1973 that we kind of really defined I think not only my DNA but most of the DNA of the of the universe so basically. your brother was playing this my brother Steve could play parts of it you know um, and parts of Genesis Firth of a fifth too okay let's um, get, let's you can play the opening of the Genesis Firth of a fifth um, so those two were things that he was teaching me when I was about five actually so it's interesting like uh uh, most of the albums that you've mentioned so far are albums that sort of I have struggled with in my life, like particularly like as I had, <laughs> you know, like not enjoying them. But this, but yeah. Selling England by the well, Pound, I, I, I've really enjoyed. Um, Firth of a Fifth is interesting. It's got this, he, this is what my brother Steve right. used to play as a kid. Yes, that makes and sense. And I'd play the, the slow guitar part, you know, mid, in the middle on piano because that's all I could handle is, at that age. But um, it would play the whole thing. I was like, never thought twice that it was complicated. It's just what people played, and I never thought music was in 
four four or was a four chord jam when I was a kid. Yeah. Because of this year of exploration and uh, in diverse Genesis could never recreate this. They could never perform this record now. It's too complicated. Yeah. They had this, some some divine thing going on where they just did it and it was it was done. Yeah, and I think um, they had a high bar. Like I think this they were pushing. You know, I think they were. Yeah. Pre- when you listen to their development through the years, you you do hear them pushing, but getting trickier and trickier. And it's not illegal alien. You know, no. Uh, th- thank goodness. Um, but uh, although I like I liked uh, that album because I was a kid, um, yeah, and I certainly too. liked the previous albums. I liked Duke, like Abacab I, I like Abacab cool. and Duke. Like uh, those I love it. those I that love that too. level of poppiness for me with Genesis ultimately may be the safest place for me in terms of Genesis. Yeah, it's beautiful yeah. too, and they always have that weird bridge that they add. It always sounds like Genesis. It doesn't matter how pop they get. They always yeah. put the Genesis bridge. Tony in there Banks. Or it's always Tony. Tony Banks, Tony Banks is really like is. I I need to. Where's my part? Where, where do we I get to tip the ivories? Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. That's that's great. So that that's what kind of was on the ground, man. Uh, you know, um, uh, Led Zeppelin, uh, ELP, um, gosh, uh, Billion Dollar Babies. Hold on, uh, Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. So what what Le- what album was Led Zeppelin in '73? Well, there was all all of them. You know, okay. up until Houses of the Holy. I mean, there was there's so much Zeppelin and uh, early Deep Purple. I mean, there's so many. Did records, your brothers but... play Zeppelin on the piano? Like no, that... no, no. Okay. It was only only those two songs is what I really grew up. Uh, what I can remember, I'm sure there was more, but so that was when, kind of the when you think about your, of... when you think about your Zeppelin, what's yours like? Like, what was the? Is it Stairway to Heaven? Like, is it? Yeah, that? it's Ramble On. You Ramble know? On. I mean, this is this is like with you know that 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 uh, double kick drama of John mm-hmm. Bonham, dum dum dum. Yeah, you know, it's it's him him playing his hands on the yeah the t- the faux tabla. <laughs> Exactly, faux tabla. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, uh, what an incredible year! James Brown record. Uh, I think yeah. Payback came out that year. Yeah. Um, the Vic Tayback. Vic Tayback. Yes. <laughs> that's a, that's a you know. That would be great. Weird Al. Uh, Weird Al from the seventies. That's my version of it. It's the Vic Tayback. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. And this also, my favorite version of James Brown is definitely 70s James Brown. It's, it's dark and greasy and beautiful, you know. It's mu- very uh, muscular, you know, like Slow slower. Tempos. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's like a reggae, reggae record. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. And he's, you know, what a, what a, you talk about jamming and vamping. I mean, this is the, this is the only person in the history of recorded music that goes and releases vamps and, yes. sing, and talks over the vamps. Hey, we're going to go to the vamp. Get down with my girlfriend. That ain't right. Oh, I just remembered. The story I wanted to tell you. So first of all, this is an amazing song, and he's talking over he's just that is all a hundred percent of that. And you and and, and the, what's so great about that song is that like it never has to end. Like if the song is twenty five minutes long, it's better. If the song is forty seven minutes long, it's better. You don't but, care. No, but but uh, I remember I was telling you before we started recording about tales from the tour bus. Right, right. And it, so the the story that I wanted to tell you is now appropriate again. So oh, good. so they're interviewing um, 
Bootsy Collins and they're interviewing um, George Clinton, right? Because so the first season of this show, it's a Mike Judge show. It's an animated show and it's an interview show and they're interviewing musicians. And the first season is all about country artists and how fucked up they are. And everyone's drunk and doing drugs and getting into fights. And the second season is similar, but it's funk artists, right? And it's so the, the George Clinton talks about how he wrote uh, Atomic Dog. Right. You know, you know, the song Atomic Dog yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, Everyone yeah. knows. Let me sure. let me play it. I'm so glad I remembered. I just did the classic move where I wrote Atomic God. <laughs> so this song, which was recorded in the mid 80s or mid early 80s, early 80s, probably. 80s, yeah. um, and then got was a was a big hit for George Clinton. It's a bit was a bit of a comeback. Biggest, biggest hit. Yeah, yeah. But it was a bit of a comeback because he had been funkadelic Parliament, and then things got quite cocainey and cracky, and everything kind of went down the tubes. He had like a whole empire of bands, and you know, like Parlette and Brides of Funkenstein, and you know, like Bernie Worrell solo record for sure. Bootsilla, Bootsy had his own band. You know, like, but everything kind of crap crumbled, and as it things did in the early. 80s and he was quite uh, addicted to crack at this point and he came into the studio and his band was like the band was playing and he was like oh no what are you guys doing you got to record and so he got into this he's out of his mind and he gets into the studio and they, they start rewinding the tape Right, and so you're hearing the as a rewinding, and he thinks that's the song, and so he just starts talking over it. Like, how did dog get the cat? And he's and then like, they, no one wanted to say anything because they 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 were laughing but also enjoying what he was doing. It was sort of this like, he, he wasn't really singing in a key. He was mostly talk singing, and then afterwards they listened to it. And it was like it's great, and then they just. They use the 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 backward to build the song back up underneath That's the vocal. Amazing. I never knew that. That's so cool. Yeah, but wow. but talking about like vamping, singing over, like you know, like these you know people who do it for a living, the great the greatest people in the world, they just need any structure to do their thing. You know, James Brown just needed to do his thing. It's improv, yeah. you know, and it's jazz. I mean, yeah. it's really the essence of what jazz is, and it's the essence of what soul is, and it goes back to church, and it goes back to you know, uh, Africa and Asia, uh, probably for the last 10,000 years, yeah. you know, we're just scratching the surface of it now, but people have been doing that, you know, with, like you said, with the dance, the dance was such yes. a huge part of it. And I think it's interesting to see at least that come back with, uh, definitely parliament live. You got dancers, James yes. Brown, you got dancers live, you know, um, kind of enacting the music. I had, I've seen two versions of, have you ever seen George Clinton live? Yes. Yeah. I saw George Clinton. Um, gosh, it must have been 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, I was, I, I wanted to see, you know, when you go to see a, a band after their heyday. Yeah. Well, not that, you know, I mean, I, and I hate to say that because they're all in their heyday, but um, after like you're expecting to see the mothership connection with the big spaceship and, you know, it was a real watered down version of that. Um, and uh, you kind of have this expectation and with when you have expectation, there's always disappointment. So I, I really, I didn't want to. Um... I was going to say, you're not playing. You're not playing in a God of Vida, are you?
I'm playing Cosmic Sloth, also 1973. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is incredible. I was trying to stay in the stay in the pocket of 73. I know, I I know, I know. I appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, uh, how was it for you seeing George Clinton? Well, I saw I saw George Clinton once, and I've seen Parliament once, not with George Clinton. So Catherine and I were in New York City one time when we were in New York, and just you know looking to see what shows what's going on and i was like okay at this sort of like like fancy blues club the, the original parliament was playing without george clinton wow. Wow. So, so i was like well i i gotta i want to see this like i'm, I'm I'll, I'll go see this it was a small club like and they were great they did all the early stuff um cool. they ha- had a lot of energy you know uh this would have been maybe in the late 90s yeah. um and it was it was just fun. It was just fun, and I really enjoyed it. The Clinton the Clinton show was something different because I think it would could have very easily been what you were describing, which is you're going to pay tribute, which I did did with James Brown. Like you're just like, here's my money. I'm gonna be part in a room with a bunch of people who also like you and do whatever you want. You know, like I'm. But it was at a, cl- a club in Montreal. And there was a huge lineup, and there was a giant rainstorm, and it was the summer. So everyone came into the club drenched, and it was hot, right? It was like whatever, you know, 90-something degrees. And so we all... Exactly. So I think it was a serious funk. But it it was liberating in the way that it is, where we're, we're all here, it's really hot, and... And the band was mostly young guys, so they could, they weren't gonna wilt, you know? Like, and they, and it, it was a great show. And it would, because of the fact that we were all already funked up. You got funkified. Yeah. It was <laughs> you really brought the great. funk in. <laughs> it was really great. It's like being in a Mississippi juke joint, you know? Yes. In yes. the summer. It's that funk that you get in, you start with the funk. Yeah. You know, and then it gets funkier. Exactly. <laughs> as it goes on. Exactly. Yeah. So that was good. That's so great. Yeah, it was really good. M- cool. in, in, you know, and different from like James Brown, where it really was like, you know, he he was he, he didn't have quite the stamina. He comes out, yeah. and you know, like, well, that's which is all fine, which is all it's good. It's like a reenactment center. Yeah, yeah. That's sure. I, that's how I feel yeah. in these ba- with the bands. I have had so that that George Clinton show was one where where a reuni- reunification show was really great. Another weird one that I was not expecting would be amazing, and it was like transcendentally great. Was Violent Femmes, Violent Femmes. Oh, neat. Yeah, well, they're I, amazing. I saw them when they first started. So yeah. And it was such a great show. We saw them, and we had a place here called the Star Palace in, in, in my hometown. And they, it was REM played to like twenty five people there when before they got famous. You know, Violent Femmes were an incredible band. Yeah, well, they were battle tested. You know, I love what I the, those songs like that first album. Those songs were, um, do you, you know, I'll just play any of them. I don't care. It doesn't really yeah. matter. So, they were buskers, right? So all of these songs were battle-tested to be catchy and make money on the street yeah. in real time over the course of like a year. Today, I will 
That's a really good point. Most people don't. Most people don't talk about that aspect of them. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, they talk about the fact that the bassist plays the bass like a ukulele. Right. You know, that, 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 that's another thing is like just physi- physiologically he can do things that other people right. can't do because he's six foot nine yeah. and he's yeah. playing a bass. That's true. Um, that's true. You know, but uh, <laughs> but th- this uh, this was another night where I was in the club. It was actually Metropolis, which is a fairly big club in Montreal yeah. Yeah. for this kind of a show. And um, this was in the 2000s for sure. And they would they played this whole album, one of those ones, you know, those show they're going to play the entire album. Yeah, right. And I was surprised because there were a lot of young people in, in the audience, people of very many generations, and everyone was there to have a good time. And the band seemed to be um, enjoying themselves. And it was a it was a real party. Like it was really like where I've been to so many of these shows where it's just like, you know, there, there's no energy. This was also great yes. energy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever gotten back together to play music with people that you like, you know, either the Supreme Love Gods or Meet Beat Manifesto or um, you like, does that ever happen? with Jack, no. Um, I think I'm going to probably, uh, who knows, you know, uh, in terms of uh, Jack, I mean, he's always evolving, kind of like Miles Davis. He's like the Miles Davis of electronic music. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's evolving so fast, even within the same day, he's evolving. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe someday we can go back and jam. I think we did once maybe once or twice mm-hmm. uh, with the love gods we had a reunion show and i was quite ill at the time so um and very low weight and um, mm. it was very hard for me and i hadn't played bass in many many years it's right before i moved to canada we did a show in i think 2008 right i remember you were sick yeah and um and so it was really tough uh i hadn't played any of those bass lines in you know years and years and years i hadn't even played the bass in years you know i play on my own stuff or sure. play on a movie soundtrack but i'm not playing bass every day like i used to yeah. jumping around for an hour and a half for four years in a row so your muscles atrophy a little bit when you do that naturally and um so i you know i really had to get in shape and <laughs> jump around and practice for all for a month just to get right. in shape for that gig and i still uh it was interesting, you know. Um, it's weird. I mean, the Sex Pistols did it too. They got stuck in one record. They only released one record. They kind of got stuck in that time period. It's like, you know, your friends from high school or something, and you only were together a couple of years, yet everybody revels in this two years and lives their bases their whole life around yeah. these two years that you were together. And you have a, you know, everybody has a life and moves on and, and has more years than you were in that band together. Yes. So it's an interesting thing. Um, but it's like a brotherhood and it's like being army buddies, you know, you just go back and you pick up where you leave off and it's it's incredible. I know it was like that. It's always been like that with the Jack and it's always been like that with the Love Gods, too, for mm-hmm. me. Um, I just wish we could agree enough to do something new, you know, and respect each other enough to, to say, hey, you've evolved. We've all evolved as musicians. Let's try something new. We've tried it. We had a whole second record that Craig Leon, um, who did the first Blondie and Ramones record, he produced that and that got shelved. And every time we try to do something now, it just gets shelved. So we have this huge wealth of can't agree. Yeah. It's like the, it's well, it's like about trust. It, it's about trust. About trust, right? If you yeah, don't trust. It's about you. ego, too. I yeah. think a lot. You're just like, well, this is what we are. And it's like, no, we're, we are what we are. You yeah. Know? You can't go and pigeonhole yourself, especially at this age or any age. So um, the formula 
there's really no formula, you know. Right. I think some of the guys think there's a formula or something, but um, right. Also, you know, it's, it's tough. Also, like, who are you know? If you're doing it, if you're not satisfying yourselves, then there's not like I don't no 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 disrespect to anybody, but I right. doubt that a a band that's getting back together at this point is going to they're not going to become the number one band in the world right you're doing it because no. you want to create together because you have people who would might be interested in hearing it like and so if you're not satisfying yourself then why would you ever want to do that it's true but i think also there's this yearning for the magic that you have together which right is, which right. is unique right of course you know, like if you take one of the members out of any band of the original band. Yes. Um, and even the second guy that came into the original band or whatever, like a like a Bruce Johnston or something. I mean, if you take any one of those people out, it's not the band. I mean, no, it's true. That example. But, um, you know, it's uh, so it there's this magic. That's why, you know, like you too. OK, so they're not the songwriters. They're not getting all the money maybe they are in that band maybe they are there. they are in fact oh, I love in to fact hear that. in fact fantastic. well i mean I, I shouldn't say like they i think they all share songwriting credits so that's terrific. I, I think that that has been shown to be the number one um uh indicator of long time success of a band not like a uh, survival of a band that is Absolutely. successful is that they share the money like bands Absolutely. where the money's not shared it's going to fall apart 100, like 100 percent of the time once they start making a lot of money it's a stupid rule too because now society's based upon that it's a popularity contest it's like i'm you can be not talented and you're going to go enforce your um and impose the fact that you're the singer songwriter you wrote the three chords uh and you sang a small little melody and now you're the band well what about uh you know what what about the the drummer who's adding all of their soul heart and soul or the bass player that's actually changing sometimes the melodic of course of course especially like in the jam i mean Paul, sure, Paul Weller wrote the song, but Bruce, you know. You know what uh, Bruce Foxen said? He said there were three people in the jam. Two of them weren't Bruce, weren't Paul Weller. That that, that was his quote. <laughs> <laughs> three people in the band, yeah. two of them weren't that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Those are amazing bass lines. You uh, know, and they, for sure. Let's they, listen. They have to. Can you think of anything? Yeah. Do you want, let's listen to that. That's, that the tube station would tube be station. good for bass. So I think good. so. Uh, the, just the bass line is so interesting. I just listened to this on the show, you know, this particular oh, cool. song. The one thing about this, we're going to talk for a little bit because there's the whole sort of kicking a can in the subway and the footsteps and the subway sound as you build and get into it. So, yeah, so this was this is a great example of of a band where it was like one guy and there's no way it was one guy. Like, you know, having said that, though, he went on. He did go on to show that he had some special sort of skills for leading a band because he. There's no question about it, but it's the, is it a band or not? And the rules, you know, the, the rules are the rules of, of publishing. Yeah, here's the baseline. The Christ that he steps Repeat my own and reflect my thoughts Calling and inviting Listening to this makes me want to play bass. Like, just like right now, it makes me want to do that. Um, so much energy. Yeah. And like a jazz bass player. The example that I often give uh, to talk about sort of the importance of a band member is the Who, because yeah. you know they got they you know you know he died and uh, Keith Moon died, and they got like an amazing, talented, successful drummer Kenny yeah. Jones from the Faces, the Faces. to yeah. come and be the drummer, which is like, he, of course, Kenny Jones is an amazing drummer. 
Like there's nothing, and it's and yes, Keith Moon is sort of one of those famously interesting drummers. But he was never the drummer. I mean, well, that's what has been the exactly been the drummer the whole time. Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so that's the it thing. Doesn't work with Kenny Jones when you listen to Keith Moon play drums. He's playing fills. Like he's not playing yeah. the drums. He's playing it's, all the accents. He's playing all the fills. He's playing everything. The rhythm is Pete Townsend with right hand. That he's the yeah. rhythm. He's the he's drummer. The only one laying it down to get. To, it's incredible. Yeah, and then you have like the bass lines are like dive bomb. I mean, like it's yeah. it's incredible but it is it's like a bunch of people fighting each other for attention from their mom you know it's like a bunch of family members right. saying hey mom it's me yeah. no it's me mom <laughs> no it's me mom you know it's it's weird but it's alchemy because it that math worked out and then when you replace the drummer and the math didn't work anymore and the band sucked no offense to yeah. anybody. I mean, there were a couple of no, moments. But, for not, no, but, no, because it wasn't about the drum replacing the drummer. Right. It was about the idea of that personality. It was so charismatic and weird and bizarre um, and kind and uh, horrible at yeah. the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Keith Moon is, is you know, it's it's really what a what an mm-hmm. amazing creature. It's more yeah. about a personality than yeah. it was in, in a skill. Yeah in music you yeah, know um for sure. was, do you see that <laughs> i mean uh one of those records that was on the floor was who's next and i just recently listened to it and i cannot believe like exactly what you said how did these people create this make this chaos into something that's listenable yeah <laughs> you know you know incredible it is incredible and it, it's it's like what's wild also on that particular album is you know in in the in the opening and the closer in Bob O'Reilly and in uh, uh, what won't get fooled again or whatever that yeah. one is whatever it's called won't it's called won't get fooled again is yeah. that right yeah, yeah. Um, where like he he puts it's sort of incredible. Uh, limitation he puts this synthesizer thing and he's like aha we're locked into this to the arm 2500 what are you gonna do now that i'm locking this down keith moon you know like it was like a challenge he's like i'm gonna do even weirder exactly exactly clap and i'm gonna do like uh, more fills yeah yeah it's it's, such a weird if you really look at it musically it's like you said it's this weird puzzle piece but what a great programmer of the arc 2500 he never gets credit for that Mm. It's such a beautiful, iconic riff. It's amazing. He programmed it. If you hear the demo version of it, it's the same thing. I mean, he's, he's, he's just brought it in the studio. It's yeah. like, oh, I can it just move a couple of knobs. It's very hard to program an ARP 2500 to do that. You know, we used to, we used to mess around with it to, to try to recreate it. It's yeah. almost impossible. That's cool. Wow, what a what an album opener! It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, Where's the piano player? Like, yeah. Wait a minute! All of a sudden, they got a piano player now. Well, that's you know, <laughs> Keith, this, it's Pete Townsend. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they always know. had a piano player. His name was Pete Townsend. Yeah, that's right. Um, and a drummer. Yeah, yeah. He played all the instruments. Um, but uh, but whereas like the other classic rock example of the flip of that was Led Zeppelin, where they were like Robert Plant was like, oh no, we're we're done. Like John Bonham has passed away. We're, there is no yeah. Led Zeppelin because we yeah. can't. We're not going to replace. Uh, and there's no. There's no one who's going to be able to replace John Bonham. This is. This is magic. We were magic. He was magic. And now let's move Brilliant. on. And now let's. Brilliant. Now I'm going to record. Record principle of moments and and you know yeah. have another a different career. Right. I'm going to have an 80s pop career. Yeah. 
and and that's that's all fine and dandy. I, I really have a lot of respect for that. Um, you know, I don't know if they shared publishing. I mean, they ripped off a lot of songs, so yeah, yeah. I don't know if they shared publishing. I know John Paul Jones was kind of bitter for a while there yeah. about it. It sucks because one person's eating at McDonald's and the other person people are eating at you know a Spago or something. Sure. It's just ridiculous. What about? Have you ever seen some kind of the the documentary Some Kind of Monster? Yes, with uh, Metallica. With Metallica. It's interesting because I was I was. Um, I was going to be a studio musician at that studio in Sausalito. I had a couple of gigs lined up, and they uh, locked out the studio. So did REM at another studio I was working. So they all the musicians that had uh, right. you know rec- wrecking crew jobs right. um, got basically pretty much didn't have a gig for two years because these these guys took you know right. took over the studio. Right. So it was interesting at the plant. Uh, I was around during that time, and we used to see James Hatfield in his truck driving around and. You know, because uh, we lived uh, in that area, and it was uh, it was an interesting thing to be around and hear all these stories, and then actually see it on the movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so so in the movie, uh, they were they're 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 looking for a new bassist, right? And then yeah, Rob Robert right. Trujillo Trujillo yeah. becomes the bassist, but uh, when they hired him, uh, they hired him, and he has a salary, you know, whatever. He's yes. joining the band, good salary. But they also just gave him a million dollars. Just like signing bonus because it's just like you're gonna be hanging around with us like right. you, it can't be it can't be that you don't have a lot of money because we have a lot of money yeah. and like it's just it's just not gonna work unless you just have a base to sort of hang with us you know I thought that was genius yeah really brilliant yeah uh, and, and really sweet you know um, yeah absolutely that's a really good point and it's a great thing to bring up and maybe a good example to the musicians of the fu- of the future world is that you know a band is a band as band is is people and if you're a you know singer songwriter writing tunes and hire people out that's one thing but if you're a real band it's it's uh it's all for one and one for all you yeah know? and and yeah. i guess it paid off because since that was in the early 90s and he's still they're still a band like oh yeah you know he's still playing he's with amazing. them Oh yeah, it's really amazing. Yeah, and such a great talent. It was a really smart choice for all of them mm-hmm. to do that. Um, you know, he'd been in a lot of other bands, and uh, it's it was neat to see that then um, that generosity and compassion. It doesn't exist a lot in the business, no. so when you see it, it's it's extraordinary. You know. Um, well, I guess in that in that film, they really do see that they were in a very sort of um, vulnerable emotional space, and so they probably <laughs> were, you know, trying to set things up properly. There was a lot of drugs going on in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was the it was it was our uh, for electronic music. It was the uh, electronic music summer of love. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Before right before the internet, and you know, it was, uh, and right here, people. right now, watching the world wake up from history. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one thing you said earlier that I wanted to get to, and I was hoping to keep yeah. it for towards the end of the interview, which is okay. I think kind of we're heading towards, is okay. um, you suggested you're not a music person anymore. Do you not play musical instruments anymore? I, you know, um, after having a kid, I kind of, uh, I will, yes and no. I just don't, I don't have a desire to do it I think I'm better because I don't do it I think I I think when I do do it and it's very rare like I picked up I can play more interesting things than I did before when I was practicing 16 hours a day mm-hmm. for a gig or something um, I think because I, I I listen to different things I can pick it up and just play it you know mm-hmm. instead of having to sit down and bang it out and so I don't really have a need for it in my life if it's not my career anymore yes you know uh, um you know i do a lot of video production now and all that stuff i bought my kid a, a electronic drum kit a simmons kit mm-hmm. 
And, um, you know, uh, I'm starting to get him into it. And he likes to play guitar. And I'll play guitar for him. Or he likes these kids' songs. I'll play for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it's taken... Uh, being a parent, just it, it kind of changes your whole... It really does. Um, ...dynamic and your, your level of selfishness. You know, I can't be that selfish enough to go and try it. 40 guitars and different tunings and try to play them all at the same time anymore you know um which is but you know uh it might come back around but you know i have played um i've recorded you know i recorded on this love god's remix did some recording on that um uh, this this new remix it's going to be released on one little indian and uh nice when is that going to happen i don't know it's soon it's uh they're going to go and it's a lot of different bands have remixed us uh, i think uh the the uh, sold out was one of those tracks on there so a lot of different bands have released or uh re i'm sorry remixed um sold out so that'll be coming out and it's basically uh it's a it's a benefit record to go and support um you know the uh i, I can't remember the name of the um organization but it's basically uh roadies out of work you know oh yeah and, that's great um, so that's the only reason that do it because um, it's actually helping somebody not for our own benefit or gain you know right um, yeah uh, so uh but yeah i mean it's weird I, I love to pick up i love to pick up the guitar and just play jazz i like to listen to old you know woody shaw records and joe henderson records and um just try to get with uh god have i heard that before you know mm-hmm. i mean i've heard so much music and i still haven't scratched the surface it's incredible yeah, yeah. so that that translates i think Aside from the muscle memory, I can do it. It's just, you know, do I have time? Does it, is it, you know, is it the right moment for it? Um, yeah. Also, your son is, how old is your son? He just turned four. Yeah, congr- that's amazing. So you're, you're, in the, you're in the shit. You know, you're in, you're in it. Deep so in the shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he's yeah. such a great kid, uh, you know, and as, as all parents say about their kids. Yeah. But uh, at that age, it's tough because you're seeing their mind uh develop rapidly like he knows dwarf planet i don't even know what dwarf the dwarf planets are he's like insane he's out of his mind with certain things you know and, and yeah. they get into those things and um he always wants to rock out and, and jam out you know so it's interesting to kind of transfer that to the next generation mm-hmm. and, and try to um keep an at least an open mind musically well i'm sure he, he he's got a good a good guide for a dad for music, well, I'm sure. I, I, I hope so. Yeah. You yeah. know, I don't want to stifle. I let him play with my expensive, you know, semi-expensive guitars sometimes, the, the few that I have left. And I don't care if he thrashes them. I don't really care. It's like, I'd rather have him have that experience. He cannot touch my grandfather's banjo from 1927. Though. No. That's the only prized possession of materialistic things that I have. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing he can't touch, but he can, you know, I'll give him whatever he wants, yeah. you know, here, go, go destroy this guitar. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe you'll learn something from it. So, yeah. Yeah. And maybe he'll, <laughs> maybe you won't learn something now. Maybe you'll do destroying it now will help you learn something later too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's absolutely. That's, that's, that's the ticket right there, man. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I keep it open, but man, I don't know. What about you? Have, how how was your jamming? Uh, well, I'm not jamming. Covid, covid, right? But right, but you're, but, you're but playing I play music. music. I've seen you. I do. I play some, guitar. I play guitar, guitar now uh, a lot. Although in the past month I haven't played so much, but generally I play every day. Um, Great. It's Love been really interesting. I feel like 
um, you know, there's been so many times where I've thought, oh, maybe I should take some lessons and maybe I should sort of really like kind of like learn how to play guitar, you know, like quote unquote. And then I realized like, no, I like doing what I'm doing. I like sort of sort of repeating and and repeating and repeating and forgetting and then building on that and then forgetting and repeating and remembering and creating a sound like i've had i have a fantasy it's 100 percent fantasy it's not a reality that i am like those old guys who used to like sit on their porch and play the same blues lick over and over again and it was like and it's the greatest blues lick right like it's but that's all that they do is they just play that one lick and like i think we all have that too you know like that that there's something in my mind that tells me that just doing what i do and repeating it and following my heart and let my fingers do the the lead that my heart and my fingers do the leading yeah, is yeah. resulting in me being a better guitarist than if I s- sat down and I learned scales and practice scales and no, learned the theory. Man. You know what's going to happen if you practice scales? You're going to play scales. Yeah. You know, because that's what you know. You yes. Play what you know. I mean, yes. all the, the old jazz guys. I would. You know, I I remember jamming with Tootie Heath a couple of times and said, "What are we going to play?" Kind of like you were in that situation with me. He goes play what you know. Yeah. I was like, oh, is it that easy? <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. I, 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 well. So exactly, like what I what I have learned in jamming, uh, starting with jamming with you, and then moving on to jamming more, was that, like, it's really uh, you, like it's about shapes and understanding yeah. relationships Absolutely. on on the key on, on the on the piano keyboard or on the guitar or on the bass. It's like it's always the same. It's no just I mean, like it's 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 all it's all math. It's finite and. For sure. All you have to do is listen and find something that sounds right with what people are playing and then do math from there. Like yeah. the, you, there's uh, there's safe spaces, there's unsafe spaces. Absolutely. And if you make a mistake, it doesn't matter. Like we said earlier, if you make a mistake, just do it again. And it's no longer a mistake. It's true. Uh, but there's that infinite aspect too, where you inject the soul into that finite math. And that's what creates the magic, you know? And I'm feeling that from when you're playing too now. I think you're... You're really developed into that kind of player where, you know, you're you, you love the it's so much as just playing through you, you know, instead of you playing the instrument. Right. It's actually playing you and it's playing through you and it's not controlling you, but you kind of have the symbiosis together. That, that's playing. That's the idea that I you know, it's like like holding a note, letting the note go is much more of an emotional choice than an intellectual choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, wow, dude, what was my day like? Am I sad today? Yeah. It's going back to that yeah. African and Asian tradition a thousand years Very ago. much so. Yeah. You know, and, and the, uh, the closer that we can get to that and whether it's your whatever tune you're playing, you're still going to inject that in it. That's why it's it's still magical, even though it's the same three chords. Sometimes totally. everybody plays over and over. It's that feeling that, yes. you know, that gets you. Uh, whatever song it is, if it's a Stooges song or for our power or something, it's going to get under your skin in a way where it's going to make you want to drive faster. Yeah, you know? it's connection. It's get, yeah. feeling connected. If you're feeling disconnected, there's nothing worse. I hate listening to music where I'm not feeling connected because it's it's worse than zero because I know I know how much I can care about, like how, how much music can make me feel. And this music is making me not feel, so I'm angry. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or the person next to you is feeling it at an avant-garde show and you're not. You're yes. like, why am I 
not feeling yeah. this? And it's, and it's so funny because I'm so uncharitable in that moment. I'm like, that <laughs> person's know. full of shit. Like, as opposed, to, as opposed to, <laughs> like, they're having this honest emotional experience yeah. that, that has been earned yes. based on their experience and their life and their relationship. Matter. No, it it's like, fuck him. <laughs> I <He's> know. A... <laughs> I, I, that's what I love about you. Because I would try to be, like, overly compassionate to compensate for that. You know, well, maybe they're, you know, that always start the thing out. You're not like, no, that's fucking bullshit. Fuck that guy. That's just complete bullshit. I'm not going to spend $5 to go see some guy go and, and bow a chair leg right. for an hour. And, and it's so ungenerous. You know? And I feel like I'm, I'm a generous person. No, but it's, it's because I feel. Tremendously. It's because. The most. Well, thank you. It's nice of you to say, but I think Absolutely. it's because I feel, um, um, uh, I feel um, like I feel lower about myself because I can't appreciate that. Like, yeah, it's a frustration. Why am I not getting yeah, it? Yeah. I feel the same way. Like when I was in art school and we'd have to play these John Cage pieces, even I had to learn Captain Beefheart guitar lines. Right for my masters, which is even more extraordinary and weird. Yes. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you have to take this guitar class and learn the beef heart. Wow, that's incredible, <laughs> right? But it was the most frustrating. Why can't I get with this? It's horrible. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm failing but beef that, heart. But that's a more you know? honest response is like, why can't I, for me, it's like, it wasn't, it's not, it very quickly goes from why can't I get this to, oh, that that's full of shit and that guy's, yeah. in, you know? Oh, I can't get it because they're completely exactly full of shit. Yeah. And they suck. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's going to that level. Yeah. It's so it's such a weird dichotomy. Yet the person next uh, next to you is completely loving it yeah. and it's somehow enriching their soul. Yeah, that's the beautiful of sub subjectivity. You know, yeah. that's yeah. the beauty of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, John, is there what did have we have we missed out on something important? I don't know. I mean, we could talk for yeah, a million we years. Could. We can cut the conversation off now. Uh, I just really appreciate uh, seeing you and talking to you. And uh, it's such a great gift on uh, uh, of my year to, to be able to um, to have this conversation about uh, uh, something, a topic that we both love. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it's it's a big gift to me too. And again, I do really want to make sure that before we, this episode is over, that I make it very clear how much I really appreciated your friendship and really appreciated oh, your sweet, your um, your gift of of jamming and music and what and the because if 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 it wasn't for that i would have missed out on a lot of fun and joy with you and with jason but also many other artistic projects that i probably wouldn't have had the confidence to engage in through the years since then so thank you well that's incredible oh hey um you know it's a two-way street i really appreciate you saying that but really it's a two-way street and uh I, it's the same uh enriching experience for me in so many ways, uh, being with you and Jason in those moments, and your, you know, Catherine and your family, and just being able to yes. go and hang out and, and share. Watch Mad Men. Of, we watched watch a bunch of Mad Men. Men. <laughs> a lot of Mad Men. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But just to be able to go, you know, across town and make that journey yeah. um, across town, and the and the for the process is the prize, you know, yeah. in that in that kind of context, yes. and yes. Uh, was such a, a huge and still is a huge part of my life, um, something that will never go away. So uh, I really thank you guys for that as well, yeah. just the opportunity and the great friendship. And, um, you know, I've, I've definitely had a lot of laughs. And yeah. hopefully we'll be able to be in a space to uh, oh, to jam again. That would be great. Know? And, and and you know, we, it's, uh, we hopefully, like, I, 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 I'm confident that uh, we can make that happen. So I hope so, yeah. yeah. Uh, or likewise, you know, maybe we'll, 
uh, when all the the borders open up. Yeah. Uh, you know. I think there's gonna be a lot of traveling. I, I do. I do, I am hopeful that that uh, there will be a period of time in the near future where vigilance levels drop, where safety increases. Good. And I think everyone's going to really take advantage of the fact that we can travel. And I think that's going to become a, a big, big part of everyone's life. Is I hope so. The gas is getting really expensive here. So yeah. right after, right yeah. when the shots came, the gas went up a dollar. Yeah. So right. it was... <laughs> yeah. Well, to be expected, but, right? But, you know, to California. Yeah, but in five, ten years, the maybe the, the gas prices won't be super relevant anymore. Yeah, I hope. I really hope so. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Yeah. But um, you guys are always welcome here Thanks. out in the desert. And, uh, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'd always make room yeah. uh, if you guys are and, ever out here. And you're obviously and, welcome here, of course. Well, thank you. We yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you wanted to touch on, man, or talk about? I mean, it's hard. I think we, I think we, I think we did a good job of we it. We covered a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so again, thanks so much for being a guest. And hey, you too, buddy. Be well. Um, you too. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Gateway Music that was hosted and edited and produced by yours truly, Howard Mitnick. You can learn more about Gateway Music or check out some older episodes on Facebook or Instagram at Gateway Music Podcast. Gateway Music is a proud member of the Upford Network. You can learn more about the other podcasts on the network at upfordnetwork.com. Thanks so much, and I hope you keep enjoying the music. I know I will. Hey, I'm Aaron Lakoff, host of Changing on the Fly, a brand new podcast on the Upford Network. Changing on the Fly is a podcast that dives deep into the intersections between hockey and social justice. We take on issues of sexism, racism, and homophobia on the ice. You'll hear from athletes, activists, fans, scholars, and even musicians who love hockey but want to keep the jerks out of the game. Think Colin Kaepernick or Serena Williams, but with skates and less teeth. It's your perfect antidote to Don Cherry and Coach's Corner. Hey, Don, what do you think of changing on the fly? Not the left-wing, pinkle media, bleeding hearts, guys. What are you, nuts? Anyways, you can find Changing on the Fly wherever you get your podcasts or visit us online at changingontheflypodcast.wordpress.com. I'm October Jones, Hi, and this I'm is... I'm Fish with Legs. I'm a fish, fish with legs. Fish. I'm the elemental creature of water, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish with Legs, starring me and my best friend... <laughs> October Jones. Nailed it. October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish with Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends, and go on adventures, and get captured a lot, and escape a lot, and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends, and authoritarianism, and colonialism, and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? They're in authority for a reason, Fish With Legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't be- Fight for adults and kids. <sighs> New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts, and of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it.